we claim the gospel together, look to Jesus, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. The Passion of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. After Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples across the Kidron Valley to a place where there was a garden. He and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place because Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas brought a detachment of soldiers together with the police from the chief priests and the Pharisees. They came there with Torches and lanterns and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing all that was to happen to him, came forward and asked them, Whom are you looking for? And they answered, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus replied, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. When Jesus said to them, I am he, they stepped back and fell to the ground. Again, he asked them, Whom are you looking for? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. So if you are looking for me, let these men go. This was to fulfill the words that he had spoken. I did not lose a single one of those whom you gave me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, he drew it, struck the high priest's slave and cut off his right ear. The slave's name was Malchus. Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword back in its sheath. Am I not to drink the cup that the Father has given me? So the soldiers, their officer, and the Jewish police arrested Jesus and bound him. First they took him to Annas, who was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest that year. Caiaphas was the one who would advise the Jews that it is better to have one person die for the people. Simon Peter and another disciple followed Jesus. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he was with Jesus. He went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter was standing outside the gate. So the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out, spoke to the woman who guarded the gate, and brought Peter in. The woman said to Peter, You are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I'm not. Now the slaves and the police had made a charcoal fire because it was cold. And they were standing around it and warming themselves. Peter also was standing with them and warming himself. Then the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and about his teaching. Jesus answered, I've spoken openly to the world. I've always taught in the synagogues and in the temple where all the Jews come together. I've said nothing in secret. So why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard what I said to them. They know what I said. When he had said this, one of the police standing nearby struck Jesus in the face saying, Is that how you answer the high priest? Jesus answered, If I have spoken wrongly, testify to the truth. 
But if I have spoken rightly, why do you strike me? Then Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself, and they asked him, You are not also one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I'm not. One of the slaves of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked him, Didn't I see you in the garden with him? And again Peter denied it. And at that moment the cock crowed. Then they took Jesus from Caiaphas to Pilate's headquarters. It was early in the morning. They themselves did not enter the headquarters so as to avoid ritual defilement and to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate went out to them and said, What accusation do you, be, do you bring against this man? And they answered, If this man were not a criminal, we would not have handed him over to you. So Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him according to your own law. And the Jews replied, We are not permitted to put anyone to death. And this was to fulfill what Jesus had said when he indicated the kind of death he was to die. Then Pilate entered the headquarters again, summoned Jesus, and said, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered, Do you ask this on your own, or did others tell you about me? Pilate replied, I'm not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. Pilate asked him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Pilate asked him, What is truth? After he had said this, he went out to the Jews again and told them, I find no case against him, but you have a custom that I release someone for you at the Passover. Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? And they shouted in reply, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a bandit. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. And the soldiers wove a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they dressed him in a purple robe. They kept coming up to him and saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and striking him in the face. Pilate went out again and said to them, Look, I'm bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no case against him. So Jesus came out, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Here's the man. When the chief priests and the police saw them, they shouted, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him. I find no case against him. The Jews answered, We have a law, and according to that law, he ought to die because he has claimed 
to be the Son of God. Now when Pilate heard this, he was more afraid than ever. He entered the headquarters and asked Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. Pilate therefore said to him, Do you refuse to speak to me? Do you not know that I have power to release you and power to crucify you? Jesus answered him, You would have no power over me unless it had been given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. From then on, Pilate tried to release him, but the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you are no friend of the emperor. Everyone who claims to be a king sets himself against the emperor. When Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus outside and sat on the judge's bench at a place called the Stone Pavement or in Hebrew, Gabbatha. Now it was the day of preparation for the Passover, and it was about noon. He said to the Jews, Here's your king. And they cried out, Away with him! Away with him! Crucify him! Pilate asked them, Shall I crucify your king? And the chief priests answered, We have no king but the emperor. Then he handed him over, to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus, and carrying the cross by himself, he went out to what is called the place of the skull, which in Hebrew is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on either side with Jesus between them. Pilate also had an inscription written and put on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription because the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. And it was written in Hebrew, in Latin, and in Greek. Then the chief priests and the Jews said to Pilate, Don't write the king of the Jews, but this man said, I am king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his clothes and divided them into four parts, one for each soldier. They also took his tunic. A tunic is seamless, woven into one piece from the top. So they said to one another, let's not tear it, but cast lots to see who will get it. This is to fulfill what was spoken in the prophet, spoken in the scriptures. They divided my clothes among themselves and for my clothing they cast lots. And that's what the soldiers did. Meanwhile, standing near the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing beside her, he said to his mother, Woman, here is your son. Then he said to the disciple, Here is your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own home. After this, when Jesus knew that all was now finished, he said, In order to fulfill the scripture, I am thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was standing there, so they put a 
sponge full of the wine on a, on a branch of hyssop and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the wine, he said, It is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Since it was the day of preparation, the Jews did not want the bodies left on the cross during the Sabbath, especially because that Sabbath was a day of great solemnity. So they asked Pilate to have the legs of the crucified men broken and their bodies removed. Then the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with Jesus. But when they came to Jesus, they saw that he was already dead, and they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once blood and water came out. He who saw this has testified, so that you also may believe. His testimony is true, and he knows that he tells the truth. These things occurred so that the scripture might be fulfilled. None of his bones shall be broken. And again, another passage of scripture says, they will look on the one whom they have pierced. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but a secret one because of his fear of the Jews, asked Pilate to let him take away the body of Jesus. Pilate gave him permission. So he came and removed the body. Nicodemus, who had at first come to Jesus by night, also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes weighing about 100 pounds. They took the body of Jesus and wrapped it with the spices and linen cloths according to the burial custom of the Jews. Now there was a garden in the place where he was crucified. And in the garden there was a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. And so because it was the Jewish day of preparation and the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. The Gospel of the Lord. Let's be seated. So I had a teacher whose mother literally died for her. She was just a young girl with her younger brother. And her father, whom her mother had kicked out of the house, came charging back in one day. And when her mother heard and saw him coming, she shooed her kids into a bedroom and under a bed. And from there, they watched as their father murdered their mother. She died, keeping the secret of where they were to protect them. This teacher of mine reflected on this. She connected it to the sacrifice that Jesus had made. She said, my mother didn't die so that I could wallow in guilt and self-pity, but so that I could live. 
She talked about it as if this event was a light shed on her life, an affirmation of her worth, and also an event that clarified what is worth dying for and what's worth living for. Another preacher has talked about this day, Good Friday, and this gospel that we've heard and said that Jesus is in possession of himself and is in charge of the situation. Meanwhile, Pilate, the chief priests, the disciples, the crowds, they are at the mercy of their own fears and angers ambitions. Maybe probably that no one has literally died for you other than Jesus. Maybe somebody has lived for you. Maybe someone hasn't devoted their whole entire existence, every moment to us and us alone. But in some, some unmistakable way, someone, surely, has devoted time, attention, some trouble or sacrifice for us. For you. And doesn't that shed light on life? Not just life in general, but your life, my life, our lives in particular. Someone who was not at the mercy of their fears or their ambitions or their anger, someone who was in possession of themselves, in charge of the situation, gave that gift of living their life for us. It's affirming, clarifying, gives a sense of worthiness in ourselves. Helps us come to know what are worthy ways of spending ourselves and our lives. Like someone has lived for us. Someone in flesh and blood whom we knew. That helps us come to know what Jesus' life and death and resurrection means for us. So in a few moments, we're going, to, we're going to do what are called the solemn reproaches. Maybe you remember these from last year. To, oh, my people, oh, my church, what have I done to you? How have I offended you? Answer me. For example, the first one says, I led you out of slavery into freedom and delivered you through the waters of rebirth. But you've prepared a cross for your Savior. We say, Holy God, holy and mighty, holy and immortal.
mercy on us. I think the danger is that we would receive these reproaches and feel guilty. This would push us into guilt. But I see these as an invitation for action, an invitation to participate in the saving of the world. It's like Jesus giving his life, just like all those who have given some of their life for our sake. And to do that, knowing that there are specific sufferings which are necessary. So I want to tell you a story that you may be familiar with. You know that Julie Scoville led the Happy Hearts, Hopeful Future campaign. Maybe you know, maybe you don't, that she did not want to do this. She was aware of the heavy weight of responsibility that came with leading that campaign. She also doesn't want to speak in public. One day she heard a song on K-Love, and the lyric of that song said, If not me, who? And she said yes. And she endured that weight of responsibility for several weeks and said that it felt like the future of all saints was on her shoulders. She endured sleepless nights, not to mention regular meetings, weekly phone calls, asking others to help and to give. And that same pressure that we all endured, the question of what will I give? And I remember when Julie and a few others were back counting on the day we made our commitments. And I was out here visiting. And when I went back, to see how it was going, there was Julie coloring in the, that thermometer, that giving chart. She made a line at and above 100,000, and the tears just started to flow. I see something of the cross and the resurrection in that. And know that Julie isn't the only leader at All Saints, the only person at All Saints that, who has endured suffering because of this clear sense of her own worthiness, but also the love and the passion that motivates her. This Eyes on the prize. At the same time, I think we all know, I know myself, 
that feeling of, I didn't sign up for this. That wanting to bail out. And I can look back and I can see all those times when I, myself, was a victim of all of my own fears and angers and ambitions. Times when I backed away from suffering that was needful because I lacked clarity about what makes life worth living and dying for. Or I can see other moments in my past when I threw myself away in useless suffering because I lacked a sense of my own worthiness. Good Friday is not about wallowing. I have a mentor who likes to say, feel free to beat yourself up about that for as long as you like. Because the question for today, for every day, is about what's next? What's next? The light of the cross and the way it sheds in our life like a teacher of mine and the way that her own mother's death shed light about how valuable you are and about what life is worth living and dying, worth suffering for. I'm looking forward to our Listen Strong campaign. Our, it's coming up later in April. This is part of what it's about. Through our relationships shining light, that affirmation of worthiness, the value of ourselves and our stories, the clarity of what our convictions are and our passions are. I also want us all to know that none of us can or will do what Jesus did. giving his life for the whole world. That's not our calling. But I do want us to notice three words that Jesus spoke from the cross. I am thirsty. It's human need. Admitting it right there. This is hard. And I need help. Someone helped him. So take that tonight as an invitation to you to ask Jesus for help, to do what Jesus invites you to do. Thanks be to God.